Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. Let's center ourselves before we practice the rule of life, and uh, whether we're believers or seekers, tune in to what God might be speaking to us today through his word. So let's bow our heads and practice a moment of solitude and silence so we can actually hear the longings of our own heart and clarity for what is the most important things, the little things and the big things that God is trying to do in our lives. So let's exhale. All the harassing, all the anxieties, concerns that are perpetuating and moving in your mind, just bring it to the feet of God right now in the house of the Lord and lay it at his feet. And inhale the transcending peace of God. Regardless of the circumstances, God can help us get a different vantage point, a panoramic view that he is at work. And all God's people pray. Amen. Welcome, guys, everyone in person and those joining us in different parts of the country and the world online. It's great to be with you. Today's message will be a prologue. Uh, we're going to skip the Fruit of the series, uh, Fruit of the Spirit series for a bit because a prologue will uh, be given for the baptism ceremony for this year. I know that uh, since the pandemic, we haven't had a baptism for two years, but in the 21st, we will be having a baptism uh, dedicating our brothers and sisters to Christ, uh, Christina and John Wang, and the third Ghostbuster, Joshua Kim, my son. <laughs> he loves his outfit. He just watched the first Ghostbusters from 1989, I think. Um, but, you know, I was meeting last week at... at uh, Madison Square Park, I get all the parks mixed up, Washington, Madison, and Union. But uh, we were at Shake Shack, and I was meeting with those getting baptized, and also those formerly baptized. Joey joined me along with Kago, and they told their stories. And it just felt so nostalgic. And we talked about the idea of nostalgia being two Greek words, right? Home and pain, nostos and agos. And it, at, at the park, we were sitting and in, in, um, people were sharing their stories and I felt nostalgic about why we're here together. Felt nostalgic about what God is doing, what he's done. And sometimes in the humdrum moments of church, you know, coming in and out, setting up, breaking down, 
making the coffee and people asking for more milk, <laughs> like me. I'm like, is no milk in here? What's up, cafe? But um, I think I, I said that on the first day we arrived back. I'm like, come on. <laughs> it, we forget the miracle, the wonder of the things that God has done in our midst. And sometimes the faces that we didn't even recognize. And those people I was sitting with at that park was people I didn't know a few years ago. And their lives been changed. When I think about the Lord and how He saved me, how He healed me, and how He filled me with the Holy Ghost, you just feel it, the chills of the Spirit deep down inside. So this is a prologue of how to prepare for the baptism before us because really centrally at the epicenter, at the core of 180 is gospel renewal. The center is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, helping those who are far, close, and somewhere in between find the storyteller, the author of their story. And so this is a prologue. And I, I remember last time I spoke at Day in the Sun, I said that love is in the little things. Tell someone next to you the little things. And then someone on Instagram, which had a couple thousand views, I think, and one person said, Amen! But remember, you do have to give your life completely to Christ eventually. And I think we like the comment, because we agree. But in contrast to the little things, sometimes the, in the human condition, the hedonic adaptation, which is a rule that eventually would come back to the same baseline of happiness, no matter what occurs. You could make a billion dollars opening crystal bottles at a club, and you'll still, in a few months, come back to the same baseline when you didn't have a billion dollars, or before you were married, or before you had kids. Well, maybe I don't know about that one. <laughs> but not to make childbearing difficult, but it is actually, for the wife and for the husband, <laughs> who's being yelled at in the delivery room. But, um, you know, one of the things, I think I lost my train of thought talking about things. I'm not, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. But the humdrum things, we forget those large moments because of the mundane moments. We forget the amazing things that happen. And that's why I want to talk about a prologue. I want to move retrospectively to the things that God has done to prepare for what is ahead. For the Spirit of God is blowing. The pandemic has quarantined us, but it has not quarantined the Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit is moving. And the people getting baptized have nothing to do with us. Well, yeah, you guys are kind of cool. They said that. But the Holy Spirit drew them. They came through Google. <laughs> not Facebook, Google. <laughs> but the Spirit of God is moving, whether we're joining Him or not, because the Spirit of God's mission is to tell people and reconnect them to Jesus. Because Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. That's our mission. 
That's our heart. And, and we've got to remember the big things because the amnesia makes us forget miracles. And the only difference I keep saying is that between the humdrum and the mundane and the sacred is our memory. And today I want the sacred memories and the, those sacred places where we met God. And sometimes it's not just one moment. It's a collection of moments where the Kairos time, where God's time moves into our lives and it changes everything. But we can remember the, those dots, those connections in reverse. And that's what nostalgia is about. That's what homecoming and gospel homecoming is about. Let's put this picture up here. And I'm just walking in the park, like I talked about in the day in the sun, the small things with my wife. And this is actually a painting from our creative director, Henry Kim. His degree was actually in painting at uh, SVA. And he is a wonderful painting. You can get a painting for him for $500. <laughs> he, he did a um, study abroad in Florence, painting in, in the streets, selling them. But this is uh, where I walk with my wife every day with our dog and most of the time with Josh. Um, and this picture particularly is the road right near the end of our house, of our park, where Star and Roll during the pandemic were engaged. And this is Henry helped them prepare for the engagement, helped Roll. I heard there was a lot of PDA, and they had a very difficult time. They wanted to turn away. But um, sometimes I walk this park, and I forget what happened there. There are times I remember during the spring when the cherry blossoms are blooming, and I go, man, I should send them a picture. But this is also where they got married, right? Because all, the pandemic pushed all the weddings back. But sometimes I walk there in the mundane and the humdrum moments of my life, and I completely forget that this guy proposed there, and those people got married there. And I even forget I wrote an article about it. I wrote an article about it, and I was featured here <laughs> in CT, the cover. You know the blue check mark makes it legit. You forget the big things sometimes. And sometimes we forget the, the, the wonder, the power of the gospel, because we get stuck in the little things. In contrast to forgetting them, we forget the big things. The big things or the collection of little things that make it big. And it's so critical to remember. And then I forget even that this guy... In college, right after college during the recession, the moment he came to Christ was over $50. And he's like, I can't give this. This is my last savings. I can't give this to God. And ironically, he's the one that writes the letters from our church who gives donation and tithes. And he says in the letter signed, thank you. It's your generosity that keeps this mission going. So God takes the one that wouldn't want to give $50 be the one that tells you thank you for your donation, your tax letters. If you look around you, the one making the coffee, they weren't here. God drew them. God is an artist, and he is painting a masterpiece in our community. And as we 
This is a prologue toward the baptism of God's continuing to do. Why we're gathering here. Remember your own gospel hope coming. Today, become nostalgic. Tear a little bit. Spirit, let it come. One of the funniest things about 180 is that miracles happen so much that we don't call them miracles anymore. Oh, yeah? Okay. And they become normal, normalized. Stu, who will be preaching in a few weeks, who is a favorite of this church now, I mean, he's really popular. And um, people tell me, he's a good preacher. Even Josh is like, Dad, Stu's a good preacher. And um, he was preaching, actually, not this year, but years before, and he was preaching about remembering altars. And he talked about something top of his head, about Boyd coming to Christ. Boyd hasn't been here for a while, who was a worker here in the theater who came to Christ in our community. Hi, Boyd. I know you're watching. Uh, and he mentioned him, and he talked about the amazing things that God has done. And after service, Wendell Lee, Wendy Lee, that's my nickname for her, comes to him, put this picture up, and says, Hey, buddy, did you forget something? I got baptized too. And that was after, right? I mean, he's like, you forgot about me. He's like, did that happen? He's the one preaching. He's the one teaching. He's the one in small groups. And he was there, but he forgot. Amnesia is the curse of this age, the curse of the human condition. Why we get stuck in alchemy, why the grass is green on the other side, and why we keep suffering with depression. Because we forget the amazing things that God does. I thought that was hilarious. So today, I want to look at that, how, why it's critical to remember your own gospel homecoming. Why it's so paramount to renew the wonder of the gospel in your own life. Jesus said on many occasions to the, in the book of Revelations, do not forsake your first love. Tell someone, don't forsake your first love. When you are teary-eyed and grateful before you started complaining about everybody in the church. Like, everybody in the church is awesome. Five years later, who are these people? <laughs> I mean, we forget through amnesia. Do not forsake your first love. Jesus says to the church of Ephesus, return to your first love. You can do all the right things, but if you don't have the right heart, how can you tell the gospel to others? You can't. You begin to live through the lens of religion, dogma. And that's when you become a Pharisee. You shouldn't do that. You should do this. Why don't you do this better? Why don't you come earlier? Why are you coming late? And in, in the Old Testament, Jesus, um, Moses talks about all throughout Exodus, do not forget. Do not forget what the Lord your God has done. So let's go to this passage and reclaim our own gospel homecoming and why it's so paramount. So in verse 7, remember 
This is right after the resurrection. The day of the resurrection, Jesus has conquered death, swallowed death, and was victorious. And why we believe in him. Why the gospel is not a matter of talk, but power. He could go anywhere. But in this text, very clearly he goes back home to Galilee, where everything once began. Verse 7, and go quickly, the angel says, and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you to where? Galilee. Galilee. There you will see him. Why didn't Jesus wait for his disciples and go together? How rude, right? I mean, you, you just raised from the dead. You're going to have to explain all this, but you want to see them in Galilee? Why? Jesus is what? Creating nostalgia. Jesus want to, wants to review retrospectively everything that has happened since the manger to the cross, to the resurrection, and review it one last time before the ascension. So he said, I'll go ahead of you, because Jesus is taking some solitude and silence and reviewing all the things God did, the faithfulness of God, the wonder of God, and the power of God. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, collapsed at his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go where? Galilee. There they will see me. Now the angel says it. Now Jesus says it. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, is where Jesus met his first disciples, Peter, James, and John, where he started preaching, where everything began. So it's so critical sometimes to go back to the beginning. How do you do that? Well, first lesson we learn is by revisiting sacred places. Tell someone next to you, sacred places. If you look at the Old Testament, the idea of sacred places is the idea of altars. Abraham created an altar in Genesis called Bethel. What's an altar? It was a bunch of rocks to be able to differentiate the location where God met him. You can remember sacred places, but it's actually better to create them through pictures. This is what I've done recently. I revisited my sacred place of coming to the States and going back to my home. And Henry... I told you, has a degree in fine arts. See, this is really helpful sometimes. In painting, he took a picture, and, and I'm the artist in this painting, okay? I took this picture. Henry said he's proud of me. He said it's a really good picture. But this is a picture of my home until, I think, the year 2000. And the beginning for me, where I met Jesus, was at this apartment, going to church with my parents. And I can't say that I had a monumental moment, but I have a collection of memories and places. My home and my church, 
where God has met me. But nostalgia, when talking about it's this apartment right here, 4877 Broadway, apartment 3I. New York, New York, 100334. 212-567-6166. It's my phone number. I have it. And if you if you saw the U version where I did the devotional, Bible app devotional, you saw this in the background of how God was guiding the, the arc of God's hand on my life since 1987 as a kid coming from Seoul, Korea, and guiding my life, and my parents being at the center of that. And I wake up every morning and pray and look. For me, going to heaven, I I say this a lot, is going through the doors, meeting my parents again. It is different vision. But it reminds me of how God has moved into my life. How has God moved in your life? How will you remember the sacred places of your life? Do you have an altar? Do you have something physical, a picture, a journal, something creative to remind you of what God has done? Because human nature, the hedonic adaptation says we will forget. It will become blurry. So for me, though I can't go here all the time, I have a picture to remind me of what God has done. The journey has brought me to. And it's powerful. Evocative when I look at the picture. And nostalgic. Because as T.S. Eliot says, right? We shall not cease from exploration. We will arrive to the same place we started. And know it for the first time. And really, what? Appreciate it. So I pray the Spirit of God in this prologue as we move toward the new baptism class will help you remember your gospel homecoming. For the Christian, those, that moment when God started to move in your life. For the seeker, when you began and begin to feel an inkling of the reality of God in your life. That's the beginning. And it's critical. Let's move down. So how can we remember? Revisiting our sacred places. And and the practical application is creating an altar, like I did with this picture. Matthew writes the book or the gospel about 35 years after the event. After tons of sermons from Peter and John, he writes and recollects everything that has happened with Jesus, his time with Jesus and his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew. And it's a powerful letter to a Jewish audience in his time, the testimony of Jesus Christ. And verse 20 is still nostalgic for him because it's the last words of Jesus spoken. And Jesus says, And teaching them to what? Obey everything I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. That right there, the promise, the sacred promise of God's presence, the sacred promise of God's moving to be with Matthew 
after 40, 35 years, stuck with him, those last words. So there are sacred memories that we need to be able to jot down and remember again, like Matthew did. Because in many ways, the book of Matthew is his altar. Do you have an altar like that? I have a, a sacred memory. I have it at my house. It's a journal from the sacred romance I did in college. My relationship with my wife, almost 20 years, doesn't begin at our wedding, but it starts here. Let's put this picture up, which is, they didn't have iPhones yet. This is empirical proof I was skinny once. <laughs> so there's the picture to prove it for you. But our relationship does not begin, the sacredness of our relationship doesn't begin, and I have an altar of our relationship where it really began. It began completely platonically. We didn't have a vision for our lives together, but we did take a class in college called Spiritual Formation. And I still have my journal, she has her journal. One day, I was the one in Staten Island, and she was living there, and I drove her every week, which God set up perfectly. It fit really well. God is very economical that way. <laughs> That's not very romantic, though. Okay, <laughs> but as we were driving one day, this was the sacred memory for me that cemented our relationship, though I didn't know it would be as husband and wife. My wife, I think she just fed me Wendy's before because she didn't trust my driving, um, said, Sam, I know there's a chapter in the sacred romance that said, name three people in your life that helps you draw closer to the heart of God. And I was driving. <laughs> I was like, why are you talking about this right now? It's a very sensitive topic. And your name came up. The CD you made me. Remember when we used to make CDs? And <laughs> like Peter Quill in um, Guardians of the Galaxy. We used to make those CDs, you know, those mixes. And I, I made a mix for her, a worship mix, saying, hey, this is what I pray to in my own quiet times. And she goes, I took that CD, and it really helped me draw closer to the heart of God. And, and you really helped me draw closer to the heart of God. I just want to say that you're that kind of friend to me. At that moment, something, like I'm an INTJ. I don't really like feel things like ecstatically. But it was like, like John Wesley said when he came to Christ, it was like my heart was warm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, um, and I was just like, I don't know anything else, but I knew at that moment we would be friends forever. Because it was a transformational exchange that was deeply rooted in something sacred. I just didn't know it would be my wife, which is a plus. But we still have that journal. Sometimes relationships begin in places not you expect. For some people, they will meet God in these seats or outside at a cafe or reading a book. God is not quarantined or constrained. The presence of God is not constrained by any medium. 
not behind church walls or a preacher. He's omnipresent, moving. And that's why it's so, so paramount to remember sacred memories, how God moves. The beginning and those sacred moments, those kairos moments, is what life is all about. I believe heaven will be a collection of kairos moments we look back on and frame about the powerful ways that God has moved in our lives. So the second way we can remember our gospel homecoming, whether as believers or seekers, is to what? Revisiting our sacred memories. And I want to just end again with what C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity. Describing often the irony and the messy complexity, the conundrum of faith and one's faith journey. It's not linear and many times it's sinuous. He says that the world does not consist of 100% Christian and 100% non-Christians. There are people, a great many of them, who are slowly ceasing to be Christians, but who still call themselves by that name. Some of them are clergymen. And I've seen this. There are other people who slowly become Christians, though they do not yet call themselves so. And Lewis finishes saying that they are more his than they know. 180 exists for this mission. Not a meticulous, perfect vision of how faith enters someone's life at birth or death or in somewhere in the middle. No, we don't know. It's not linear and often ironic and messy. And that's what we're celebrating in a few weeks. So I pray that God would stoke your own sacred memories of your own gospel homecoming. Because if you can't remember what God has done, there's no way you could tell it. Let's stand and pray together. Today, I want, to, I want you to lift your hands to God and I want you to ask the Spirit, whether you're a believer or a seeker, to help you remember the sacred memories, the sacred places of where God has met you. And like I said, it doesn't have to be one moment, but a collection of moments that lead to a meaningful, and powerful encounter with the presence of God. Whether you're a believer, close, far, or somewhere in between, I pray that you'll remember where it all started. Make this our prayer.
Father, we come before you this afternoon. We celebrate that the presence of God is accessible and available, moving, proving both viscerally and empirically that the longings of our hearts is a longing for the infinite God. And every day, we realize, as Milton talks about in his poem, that Eden was lost. And the only way to return to the garden of the Lord is to Christ, to walk with him again. pray right now that God would open our eyes again to the wonder of the gospel. The wonder of the people around us. A decade ago, didn't know the Lord. 
open our eyes to the new folks that God is moving, breathing in their lives. And God is asking us, will you join me welcoming others to the family of God? That has always been the mission. Jesus said to go make disciples of all nations. Would you bow your heads for the benediction as we end this prologue? And as we finish on the 21st, Baptism Sunday. Ending 2021 and dedicating our new brothers and sisters in Christ publicly to the Lord and to this community. Of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.